the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We're underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Thursday, the ninth morning of the sixth month year of our lord 2022 coming up on the program in an hour we're going to talk with dr everett piper as we do each and every thursday dr piper is our lead expert on the culture wars but we're probably going to expand beyond pride month the assault on the nuclear family the assault on children and those things will expand beyond that into attacks on america itself literally when an assassination attempt is made against a sitting United States Supreme Court justice, all with the intent of getting him replaced with somebody who will tip the balance of the court back in favor of baby killing. That is the nutshell version of what is going on this morning. We're going to talk in depth about that. The left is apoplectic over the attack on or the attempted attack on uh, Brett Kavanaugh and his family, not because they are concerned about Brett Kavanaugh or his family. They're apoplectic. They're enraged over the fact that this story is getting in the way of their planned theatrical presentation tonight. The prime time. Let's hire an ABC News producer to make this TV-friendly 
so that we can try and paint Republicans and Trump and Trump supporters and anybody involved with January 6th as threats to the republic, threats to democracy, threats to the American way of life, threats to all of it because of the protest uh, that got out of hand. And it did. And it devolved into some, some vandalism and some rioting and some things that happened in city streets all across America for the entirety of 2020, and they defended it all. In fact, the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, back then was raising money to get uh, uh, for bail to get those BLM and Antifa rioters out of jail. So that is allowed to happen, but then the, the uh, riot, if you will, at the Capitol happens, and suddenly people need to go to prison for 20 years. This is an incredible uh, attack on our country, and now the left is upset that they're going to have to share some of the spotlight uh, that they had planned for being only on the January 6th hearings in primetime television tonight. They're going to have to share some of the spotlight with the fact that one of their own, a left-wing wing nut, tried to kill a Supreme Court justice, all in order to defend, as I said before, the right to kill babies. There is nothing more nor less from that story. This is what it is all about. I've got a ton of information to share with you. I certainly want your opinions on all of the above at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. If you can't get through or if I'm in the middle of an extended monologue and you just can't wait, get on the website, alwayswrite.us. Click the sound off button. It's red and it's in the upper right-hand corner. And then go ahead and record your message for me. Click send. It'll come to me, and I'll play it when I have the chance, and I'll respond to it, I promise. All right, so that's the way it's going to work today. Before we get started, let's get started with our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a patriot and not uh, ashamed, if you are proud of your country and the flag that it represents, or that represents it, rather, go ahead and stand, face that flag, and join us for our daily pledge. If you are a believer in intimidation and threats against Supreme Court justices in order to advance a political cause that you believe in, well, then you have no earthly idea what those stars and those stripes represent. You don't have to pledge your allegiance to this flag. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback and other assorted individuals. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. A man caught lurking near U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home early yesterday has been charged with attempted murder of a federal judge. A criminal complaint was filed charging Nicholas John Roski, 26, of Simi Valley, California, on federal charges of attempted murder of a Supreme Court justice, said the FBI, uh, FBI's Joy Giras. Roski is expected to have initial appear- an initial appearance in U.S. District Court in Greenbelt today at 3 p.m. before U.S. Magistrate Judge Timothy J. Sullivan. Roski was arrested in the Washington suburb of Chevy Chase, Maryland, early Wednesday. A DOJ affidavit details how Roski allegedly traveled to Kavanaugh's home armed with weapons and burglary tools with the intent to kill the justice and prevent him from ruling on Second Amendment and abortion cases. On June 8th, 
At approximately 1.05 a.m., two United States deputy marshals saw an individual dressed in black clothing carrying a backpack and a suitcase get out of a taxi cab that had stopped in front of the Montgomery County, Maryland residence of a current justice of the United States Supreme Court. Roski looked at the two U.S. marshals who were standing by their parked cars and then walked down the street. The Montgomery County Emergency Communications Center then received a call from an individual who identified himself as Nicholas John Roski and said he was having suicidal thoughts, that he had a gun in his suitcase, and that he had come from California to kill a specific United States Supreme Court justice. Police were dispatched to the justice's home where they encountered Roski still on the phone with the Montgomery County Emergency Communications Center. They took Roski into custody without incident. An inventory search of the seized suitcase and backpack revealed a black tactical chest rig and a tactical knife, a Glock 17 pistol with two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, a screwdriver, a nail punch, a crowbar, pistol light, duct tape, hiking boots with padding on the outside of the soles, and other items. Roski found Kavanaugh's address online, the affidavit said. Pro-abortion advocates with a group called Ruth Sent Us had posted the address online sparking heavy criticism from those who feared for the justice's safety. I should interject here and say, not including members of the Biden administration who defended the protesting at justices' homes, the location being published of the justices' homes. They supported this. They own this. I'll continue with that in a moment. Ruth sent us, did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the Daily Wire, but put out a statement saying they do not support violence. I'll refrain from a sickened chuckle there. Roski told authorities he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to abortion, as well as the recent school shooting in Texas, indicating he believed that the justice, Kavanaugh, would... uh, Intended to that he intended to kill would side with the Second Amendment decisions that would loosen gun control laws. Roski stated he began thinking about how to give his life a purpose and decided he would kill the Supreme Court justice after finding justices the justices Montgomery County address on the internet. Roski further indicated he had purchased the Glock pistol and other items for the purpose of breaking into the justice's residence and killing him, as well as himself. It was not immediately clear whether the Kavanaugh family was at home when the incident occurred. The FBI would not comment further on the uh, Kavanaugh family's whereabouts. I'll stop there. I'll stop there to point to the obvious. This was a Democrat lunatic hitman who was in Washington, D.C., from California, traveled across the country to make good on the threats made by the Democrat majority leader of the United States Senate. Just a little over two years ago, just a little over two years ago, Chuck Schumer stood on the steps of the Supreme Court and threatened the justices inside, two of them by name, if they didn't rule the way he wanted them to rule in a particular case specifically a case that might involve the overturning of Roe versus Wade. He threatened them. He didn't say, politically speaking, he threatened them. Two of them by name, one of them with the name of Kavanaugh, the same Kavanaugh, who was nearly assassinated. If two can, can we even imagine... 
for just one second if those two marshals had not been outside of Kavanaugh's house. Because Kavanaugh does not, neither do any of the Supreme Court justices or their families, routinely get security protection. Mitch McConnell stood on the floor of the Senate yesterday and demanded that Democrats stop obstructing a very simple, what should be unanimous bipartisan bill to provide security for Supreme Court justices, particularly in the wake of major threats made against them and their families. If those two marshals hadn't been there, I don't want to imagine what would have happened. He brought zip ties. He brought all of those tools that I mentioned beyond the gun, which can only be thought to be used for the purposes of torture, Otherwise, why those tools? There's burglary tools to get in, and then what he was going to do with those other things, Lord only knows. But he was there to carry out a threat, a threat that was made by the majority leader of the United States Senate, someone who should be investigated for his role in this, and someone who should, in shame, resign his position in the United States Senate today. Because there is no ambiguity to what he said just over two years ago. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. I have played that audio clip numerous times in the last two years plus since it was since the uh, remarks were made. And I have pointed out numerous times what I'm going to point out now. There is no way for Schumer, <clears throat> for Democrats, for the left, for the Biden administration, for the New York Times, for anybody on the left side of the political spectrum that defends Democrats, no way for them to justify a single word of that. They cannot claim that it was a figure of speech to say you will pay the price and that it wasn't literal and physically a threat. It, it, it was a political price. People say that all the time. And they can pull out a montage of clips of people saying pay the price, meaning politically. You're going to pay a price at the ballot box. And they're right about that. We say that all the time. All the time. I talk about the pathetic feckless rulers of uh, in Columbus, Ohio, in our General Assembly, who, who are Republicans, who do nothing, nothing for the people of this state, who act and govern like Democrats. And I always say they're going to pay the price in the primary. We're going to primary them out. They're going to pay the price politically. I get that. But this is where they lose. Supreme Court justices cannot pay a price politically because they're not political. They don't run for office. They're not elected. They have no role in politics. They only have role, a role in deciding what is constitutional and what legislation is not constitutional. Their role is not one that is political. They can't be voted out. The only way they can be replaced is if one of two things happen. One, they resign. Or two, they die. And since Brett Kavanaugh is far too young to die of natural causes, one would suspect, they had to make sure he dies another way. The only way to tip the balance of the court back to the abortion rights, baby killers point of view is for one of the um, anti-Roe or likely 
pro-lifers, if you will, on that court to die. And then for Joe Biden to be able to name another pro-abortion justice in his place. Chuck Schumer did not mean you will pay a price, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, at the ballot box because they don't work with ballot boxes. They are appointed, not elected. There is no way to take this threat other than just that, a threat on their safety. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. That's practically a hit being ordered. And it took two years for some nut job to figure, I'll carry it out. Nobody else is going to do this. I got it. And least, lest you think that this is something that ended only with Chuck Schumer and, and radical extremist lunatics in the uh, Democrat-run Senate, this rises all the way up to the Biden White House as well. This was just last month. Apologies, let me get that set up for you here. This was literally just last month. Peter Ducey talking to Jen Psaki. How about the yesterday? So just about moving forward, these activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants to help your side make their point? Look, I think the president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear, uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country. About So sadness, passion, and fear makes it okay to violate federal law and go to Supreme Court justices' homes, dox them, and threaten and intimidate them and their families. Is that what you're saying, you red-headed nightmare? what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, we obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to to protest. That is certainly what the president's view would be. So he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence. I, I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. It's in the law. It's in the U.S. Code, 1507. You cannot protest outside the residences or the places of business of judges or jurors or attorneys or witnesses, much less Supreme Court justices. But you don't have an official position as to where people can protest? And that's because you and your dementia-addled boss supported the intimidation of these justices outside their homes. Tell us more, Nightmare. I want it, we, we want it, of course, to be peaceful. And certainly the president would want people's uh, privacy to be respected. But I think we shouldn't lose the point here. The reason people are protesting is because women across the country are worried about their fundamental rights that have been law for 50 years. So the rights of the justices who may make that decision must be violated in return. Is that what you're saying, Nightmare? Their rights to make choices about their own bodies and their own health care are at risk. That's why people are protesting. They're on happy they're scared so that makes it okay to threaten with physical violence supreme court justices and their families and if you think that's the worst of it think again the worst of it is democrats have not come out and fully condemned and disavowed this this attack, this attempted assassination, attempted murder is the charge. 
an attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice specifically for the purpose of stopping the release of, which is going to happen any week now, of a Supreme Court decision that they may not like. Democrats are not even condemning this. Not fully, not totally. I ask you, if a young white male like this Roski character had showed up in Washington, D.C., if he showed up in Washington, D.C. with an intent to kill Elena Kagan or Sonia Sotomayor, and I know she's not seated yet, but or Ketanji Brown-Jackson, and the entire story was the same except this was a conservative who was angry with a left-wing ju- justice, what do you think would be done? 24-7, round-the-clock coverage, 24-7. Joe Biden would be in front of the, or behind the podium and in front of the cameras in seconds, screaming about how, how awful these people are, and this is what happens with right-wing extremism, and blah, 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 blah. But because this is a left-wing nut, just like James Hod- Hodgkinson, James Hodgkinson, who was a Bernie bro, who took Bernie's statements about stopping the Republicans any way that they can, literally, and took his rifle to the, in 2017, to the U.S. House baseball, uh, uh, or the Republican baseball team practice in Maryland, and shot and nearly killed Steve Scalise, and if he hadn't been shot at by police officers on the scene, would have killed multiple Republican members of Congress. These nuts don't have to be apologized for. And oh, by the way, back to the point about the 24-7 coverage. That's how it would be if this had been in reverse. But it's not that way. The attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh by a left-wing lunatic, which happened today, is currently, now this was, uh, this was from nine hours ago, so around midnight is currently the 15th lead story on the New York Times website. 15th. 15th. There were 14 other stories that were ranked ahead of the attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh to stop the Roe versus Wade decision from coming down. I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about who the threat is in this country when the Department of Justice tells us about domestic terrorism. You tell me where the threat really lies. I'll tell you where it lies. It lies at the head of the Democrat Party. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Always Right Radio, right back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 937. So I'm I'm doing this in real time because I want to I want to find out. And I want to illustrate this the best way I can. I told you uh, I read on a tweet 
from another uh, conservative member of the media who said that last night, as of around midnight, and of course everything that went down in Washington outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home was in uh, was around one o'clock, one fifteen or so in the afternoon yesterday. So th- it had an entire day's news cycle to marinate and to be uh, to be covered. Um, by midnight, the New York Times had it at its as its fifteenth uh, lead story, fifteenth. So I decided, let's see where we are today. Now that actually, you know, these uh, attempted assassination, attempted murder charges have been filed, this extraordinary story, this attack, this assault on not just a man, but on the Supreme Court as an institution, the body of the Supreme Court. How is the left covering this? And I want you to ponder this, again, while, while comparing what it would have been like had this been some sort of nut job coming to Washington, admitting to the police that he was there to kill a left-wing Supreme Court justice in order to protect Second Amendment or protect uh, you know, pro-life or something of that nature. I want you to play the what-about game here, and, and, and I wonder what the front page of the New York Times would look like. But this is what it looks like now, and I'm doing this in real time, and I'm using my record screen to record my PC screen in front of me as I scroll this because I'm going to post it later. So people can see exactly what's going on. As of now, 9.39 a.m., Thursday morning, this is what the New York Times' lead stories are. In the main section, we'll have what we call the main section, and then there are sidebar stories. And I will scroll until I give you all of them. The main section lead story is, Battle for Key City Could Decide Control of Eastern Ukraine, Zelensky says. Underneath that story in the main section, January 6th hearings will put Trump at center of plot that resulted in Capitol riot. The committee investigating the attack will scrutinize how Jared Kushner washed his hands of Donald Trump before January 6th. Here's a guide to watching the January 6th committee hearings, which begin tonight. Now, over to the sidebar in the same place on the page. With lifeguards scarce, it's beach season that needs rescuing. Meet the pioneering surgeon who offered hope to soldiers disfigured during World War I. With a humble baking pan and these 13 dessert recipes, you're destined for potluck stardom. Now, mind you, all of these stories right now are more important than the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice. Next on the sidebar part of the page, the designer birdhouses of Brooklyn. Birdhouses of Brooklyn. Back over to the main page. The next story below, again, Behind the January 6th attack, a campaign of subversion. Under that, on the main page, White House outlines a vaccination campaign for the youngest children. The morning, the COVID death rate for white Americans has recently exceeded the rates for black, Latino, and Asian Americans. Back over to the sidebar. Abortion didn't feel like an option, neither did motherhood. An opinion piece. Under that, Trump's big lie is still a threat. The January 6th hearings can prove that. Under that, the January 6th committee has already blown it. Under that, Liz Cheney will not tolerate Trump's lies. Under that, the door between Russia and America is slamming shut. Under that, we need hope to combat violence. That won't arrive without action. Under that, Charles Blow, America's psychic numbing to gun violence. Under that, Sway will prime time undermine the or elevate the January 6th hearings. Under that, our kids lost special moments during the pandemic. They won't get them all back. Under that, the stories we tell ourselves about sickness and health. Now back over to the main page, or the main segment of the page. 
As survivors demand action, House passes gun bill doomed in the Senate. Under that, a full return to the office does never work for you? The billionaires behind a push to reinvigorate U.S. chip making. Under that, business updates, the European Central Bank said it would raise interest rates for the first time in 11 years in July. Next to that, beer-loving Germany is facing a shortage of bottles. Breweries are pleading for drinkers to return their empties. Back over to the sidebar. As the Great Salt, Lakes, uh, Great Salt Lake dries up, Utah faces an environmental nuclear bomb. At trucker havens across the U.S., major change is approaching fast. Under that, the actual malice of the Johnny Depp trial. Under that, hiking down to Phantom Ranch, the Grand Canyon's destination hotel. Under that, a Brooklyn home designed with fun in mind. Back over to the main section. This is uncomfortable. Saudi Arabia upends the genteel world of pro golf. Under that, how fairy tale farms are ruining Hudson Valley agriculture. Under that, now this is a screen wide cross that says the morning, listen to the daily, listen to the modern love podcast, read the summer in the city newsletter. Now the page kind of shifts into three sections instead of a main page and a single sidebar. There's a center page, and then there's a sidebar on the left and the right. The center story here is decision on charges is expected in police killing of Patrick Loya. The left sidebar, China sent military warnings. U.S. allies say they went too far. Hundreds have left New York public defender offices over low pay. Biden administration to set rules for charging EV on the road. Now to the right sidebar. And finally, we arrive. Armed man traveled to Justice Kavanaugh's home to kill him, comma, officials say. That's included in a, it doesn't have a picture, it doesn't have a bold face, it's just a line in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven specific lines on the sidebar on the right side of the New York Times homepage. Included with Boston Celtics withstand Stephen Curry for Game 3 win in NBA Finals. And New York AG will question Trump under oath next month. At Summit of America's, Biden pledges U.S. help, and it doesn't matter. You do understand the point here. I just spent a good five minutes giving you all of the stories that were more important for you to know than the fact that a left-wing nut tried to make good on Chuck Schumer's threat to make Brett Kavanaugh, identified by Schumer by name, pay the price. Face the whirlwind. He has to reap the whirlwind for his awful decisions. The fact that a Supreme Court justice was targeted for assassination with the sole intent of stopping the release of the Roe decision, which could come down any day or any week this month. It will be by the end of the month. And the New York Times didn't find it newsworthy. Not over any of the above stories. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind. And you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions you know lost in all of this i never really talked about it is the crowd that uh, that schumer was 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 yelling at and two on the supreme court steps two years ago how do i know that this nut 
wasn't one of the ones yelling, yay, in that crowd. How do we know? We don't. Certainly we know that he planned to carry out exactly what Schumer promised, whether or not he was uh, uh, took Schumer's walk, uh, talking points uh, to heart and did it specifically because of Schumer. I don't know. But we do know that what Schumer promised is what somebody tried to make good on. Jonathan Turley is a law professor at George Washington University. He is not a right-winger. He is an avowed Democrat. But he is also a reasonable man. But there's been a... And I want you to hear from him, but we've got to configure it properly. My apologies. One more time. Tax on this institution for years, coming particularly from Democratic politicians. You had AOC saying that she didn't really understand the value anymore of the institution itself of the Supreme Court. And so it's and the institution's been under attack, but now we're seeing individual justices who are under attack. The image of this black-clad assassin standing outside the home of one of our justices should be a sobering moment for the entire entire nation that this has gone too far this age of rage we're becoming addicted to rage as a nation and And we have to come together as sensible people has anybody heard the left writ large condemning vociferously condemning this this attempted assassination other than the press secretary saying, well, of course, the president opposes all violence and that kind of nonsense. Have they come out and said, we are appalled. We are outraged. This individual does not represent us. We want to fight against the uh, attempted overturn of Roe versus Wade rhetorically and politically and with words, not with violence. Did anybody come out and condemn this? explicitly and say no one should ever touch or target a Supreme Court justice or their families? No. What we have heard instead is the Democrats in the Senate refusing, Mitch McConnell pointed this out, to take up the bill that would provide for security for the families of Supreme Court justices, whether the justices themselves are there or not. Because Brett Kavanaugh has security. His family and his home might not necessarily have that if he's not there. That's reality. And the Republicans have tried to bring this up in the Senate for the better part several months particularly since the leak, which, as you probably have figured out, was intended to have this result. Whoever leaked this from inside the Supreme Court, the draft opinion on Dobbs, which, of course, would lead to the overturning of Roe, whoever leaked that in violation of, of every standard one can ever imagine uh, in, in, uh, you know, in the Supreme Court or really in, in the justice system, period, whoever did that had one goal to stop this this uh, uh, opinion from becoming reality, to stop the draft opinion from becoming the official opinion from being released and announced as the Supreme Court decision on Dobbs, thus affecting Roe. We have to stop it somehow, some way. This was that somehow. This was that some way. And I haven't heard the Democrats condemning this full-throated at all, not even a little bit. Just a, just a couple of you know minor words about, boy, that's terrible. No one should ever resort to violence. Now let's get back to the January 6th committee so we can hang Donald Trump. It's the third attempt to, to impeach Donald Trump, even though he's not in office anymore. We have to make sure he can never run again with this circus sideshow they're going to put on primetime television tonight. So I said Jonathan Turley is a, in, by, no, by no means a conservative. He is a liberal, uh, George Washington University um, uh, uh, professor, law professor.
And you heard what he had to say. Mark Levin is indeed a conservative, and this is what he had to say. They assisted in criminal activity. We all know about 18 United States Code 1507. You're not allowed to parade and protest and threaten and hassle judicial individuals, particularly Supreme Court justices, and threaten them the way they did. Pasaki did it. Schumer did it. Pelosi did it. Are they going to be indicted, Mr. Garland? In fact, Mr. Garland hasn't indicted a single person who's violated a federal statute. Not one. How about them in handcuffs and leg irons, Mr. Garland? What do you say? These are federal violations. And I haven't heard a damn thing from Liz Cheney tonight. Have you, Sean? Has she put out a statement condemning Nancy Pelosi? Condemning Schumer? The Democrat Party. Every damn one of them. And they're Democrats in the media. They all said the same thing Schumer did. Trashing the justices. Trashing the Supreme Court. They've been at war with this court for years. It's independence. The numbers of justices. Threats like Schumer. This has become a serious, serious problem. No commission on any of that. Gee, I wonder why, Liz. I wonder why, Adam. We know exactly why, Mark. And that is very, very well stated. Okay, 955 AM 1420, The Answer, Always Right Radio. All of the latest news on the Kavanaugh assassination attempt is online at alwaysright.us. So is uh, the latest uh, on the made-for-TV spectacle that they have tonight, the third attempted impeachment of Donald Trump, even though he is, of course, no longer president. Let's go to the phones. Uh, I want to talk to, this is Brett in Worcester. Hi, Brett. Thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I have to tell you, I am truly afraid for for our country um the persecution of those on the right versus those on the left and it's just unbelievable and then the the uh, the news came out yesterday the minister of truth um came out that they were looking at or were, were planning to look at internally at, at u.s citizens that were basically you know anti-vax um questioned the administration you know the uh, the war in Ukraine, and where would that persecution go? It's just absolutely scary to me. Well, yeah, that's a great point, and uh, and I'm glad we you know we 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 don't really have that particular um, uh, board now. This uh, govern this governance board, this disinformation governance board, at least in the context that it was originally presented. But as I said, when they announced that it was being, put, I think they said they were putting it on pause. Um, we know they're just going to continue it, with those activities exactly. but without the name, without the name of the board, well, without Nina exactly Jankowitz being involved. Yeah, uh, so they're going to do this, and and this is this is this is no surprise. This should be no surprise to anyone. Uh, th- this particular, uh, I don't, I, don't, I guess I can just. I was going to say this administration, but I can just go to this party. It wouldn't even have to yeah. be just the Brandon administration. I think the Obama administration was the same way. They will. There is not a law that they will not break. There is not a constitutional right that they will not strip in order to gain an advantage over their political enemies. And if they have to spy that's all, on American that's all this, citizens... That's all this thing tonight is, is just political ammunition. That's all it's going to be. 
it's well, just, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's twofold tonight. I think part of it, as I said, is to stop, and this is political, stop Donald Trump from being able to run for president. If they can pin yeah. everything that happened on a conspiracy that he led, or at least that he knew about but did not stop, it'll stop him from running for president again. And I think they are terrified that they can't beat him. But then the second thing again is to just demonize everybody that what, what does Biden call us now? Uh, 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 ultra MAGA? Ultra MAGA? Oh, ultra MAGA. Yeah. To, to, to demonize everybody who is a Trump supporter, who has ever bought a red hat, uh, we are all going to be guilty by association with this attempted coup d'etat and overthrow of democracy. And that's what the other well, how can you, tonight is. How can, how can Schumer's remarks be looked any less than, he did a lot, he said a lot worse than what Trump even said for January 6th. It oh, was, by far. Oh, yeah. Absolutely inciting violence. Far, far worse. And, and you know what's, what's yeah. even worse than that in more recent Brett is, you know, if you look at what happened in Buffalo, this nut job shooter in uh. Buffalo, you know, drives uh, two hours to go to this predominantly black area, shoots 10 black people, two white people. But because of his writings and the fact that he referenced at some point in time the great replacement theory, you know, population replacement theory or race replacement theory, suddenly this is the fault. Now, you really got to do some gymnastics to get there, oh, that yeah. this is the fault of Tucker Carlson because he's done stories on great replacement yeah. theory. Um, and and so it is such a, a a verbal and a mental gymnastics routine they have to perform to try to blame right, the right wing or conservatives for actions like that. But here we have a very very specific and direct by name threat against two of the justices, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, on the steps of the Supreme Court. You'll pay a political price. You won't know what hit you. What other way can that be taken other than a direct? physical threat on their safety and their well-being. Exactly. There is no political price to pay. They're not elected. They can't be voted out of office. Exactly. What other means is there? Exactly. So when he says, you'll pay a price, again, that, that phrasing has been used. I've talked about it. I I use it. You'll pay a price... You know, in the in the Ohio General Assembly, if you don't pass this medical freedom bill two forty eight, we will you'll pay a price. And of course, what do we mean by that? We're going to primary your butts out. out of there. That's that's exactly the that's right. what it means. But as you said, and as I've been pointing out, justices don't get voted in and voted out. They are there until they either retire or die. And if they're too young to die on their own, well, it looks like now what the left wants to do is make them die another way. And that's what happened with this attempt yesterday. That's so scary. It is so scary. Hey, thank you, Brett, for the call. I appreciate it. God bless. Uh, Thanks for the call. We'll take a time out of here for news. Dr. Everett Pipe will join us next on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Welcome indeed. Ten minutes past ten o'clock. Hour number two is underway. It's a Thursday, ninth morning, sixth month, year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us. It's such an incredible uh, amazing, terrifying time in our country's history going on right now between the gun wars, the violent crime rising, the assault and the invasion on our southern border, the record high inflation, the record high gas prices, um, the destruction of the family, Pride Month, also known as Recruiting Month, also known as Indoctrination Month, all of these happening, and now they're trying to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. 
because they don't like the fact that he is going to vote in the affirmative in protecting life. This is a crazy, crazy time to be an American. It is a crazy, crazy time to be alive. It is an historic time to be alive. And what uh, what history will record from this moment um, is anybody's guess. Let's welcome Dr. Everett Piper back to our program. Dr. Piper is our regular Thursday commentator. He is a past university president. He's a weekly columnist with the Washington Times. He is also a best-selling author as well. Uh, Dr. Piper hosts a podcast in Oklahoma called The Rebellion. You should check out wherever you listen to your podcast. And we certainly welcome him back this morning. Good morning, Dr. Piper. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Is this, you know, you've got a few years on me, not a ton, um, but but thinking back to your lifetime, I mean, you know, civil rights happened right before I was born. The Civil Rights Act was passed uh, about three years before I was born. That is a monumental time. There's been a lot of chaos. There's been a lot of anti-war demonstrations. We've seen riots over race. You know, we saw the Watts riots. We saw the uh, L.A. King, uh, uh, excuse me, the L.A. riots with the Rodney King verdict. We saw BLM. When you look back, I mean, is 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 this? Am I overstating it to say this is the? Certainly in my life, I think I'm right. The craziest time to be an American that you have experienced, Doctor Piper. Am I going too far with that? No, I don't think so. I mean, just look at the facts. Uh, the this is the nature of the Marxist conflict. Um, I remember when I was in college. Uh, I was actually taking a course in Chicago. I lived in residence on the south side of Chicago in my senior year. And one of the courses I took was taught by a Marxist. And he boldly looked at all of us in the, all of us in the class, and there were just a handful who actually challenged him and stood against him. I was one of those. And he said, we will win. He said, ultimately, we will win. The conflict will swing in our favor. This is the nature of the Marxist conflict. You know, it was economic back then while I was in school. It was the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. But as we know, critical theory embraces that Marxism and just changes the conflict while embracing the same ideology. It's no longer economic per se. That's not what they care about now. Now it's us against them, me against you, black against white. Um, The arguments for intersectionality and whatnot that critical race theory brings to the table the Frankfurt School. All of this is grounded in the Marxist conflict and creating that tension, that explosion, that will result in the opportunity to recreate culture. They don't care about our Constitution. They think it's bad rather than good. And I think back to my professor when, I think it was 1981-82, while I was a student in Chicago, looking me in the eye and saying, we will win. Ultimately, the conflict will swing in our direction. So, That's a long-winded answer for me to say. I think it plays itself out over time, and we shouldn't be surprised we are where we are in our culture right now because I've said it a thousand times on your show, Bob, teach lousy ideas, you're going to get lousy consequences, lousy results. The fault of this lies in our schools for teaching one generation after another that the Constitution is bad, not good, the Declaration of Independence is nothing but the product of white privilege, and that what we need to do is tear down those things, deconstruct all of that, and build up a new house in the Marxian ideology where the powerful will tell all of the rest of us what to do. So we're reaping the consequences of our educational establishment and what we've taught. 
That's uh, that's very well said. And it was kind of an open-ended question. I do not mind a lengthy answer uh, because I'm trying to process all of this myself. I'm just, and, and we're going to get to your column here in a second, and we're going to talk about pride, and we're talking about staying inside the laws of God and so forth. But just just a quick follow up on that. You know, the the fact that somebody decided to, to carry out a threat that was made, carry out an act and make good on a threat that was made by the Senate Majority Leader two years ago when he literally identified by name Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, saying they will reap the whirlwind, they will pay a price, they won't know what hit them. Um, and he did so, this, 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 this character yesterday in Washington, D.C., who was arrested and charged with attempted murder and assassination of a sitting Supreme Court justice specifically to protect the right to kill babies. I'm just astounded. He was willing to kill a justice in order to stop the opinion that was a draft opinion that was leaked, which, by the way, was intended. That leak was intended to create something like this, for somebody to act and stop the draft opinion from becoming an official opinion released by the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case that could overturn Roe. The fact that somebody is so dedicated to killing children in the womb, that they would assassinate a justice to prevent the the opinion from being released, Dr. Piper, it just puts me in a place that I, I don't want to say I've never seen before. I lived through 9-11. But, but, I mean, this is just a very different kind of situation that I think deserves much more analysis than, uh, you know, than less. Well, I, yeah, I agree. And, and what we Well, I think we, I think we've got an interruption in service there because I cannot hear. Uh, oh, there you are, uh, Doctor Piper. We missed most of that. We had a, yeah, we missed most of that. We had a cutout. Uh, let's try that again. Yeah, yeah, still bad. Still bad. We're gonna we're gonna reconnect, Doctor Piper. Hang on, pick, uh, John will pick it up. We'll get that re uh, reconnected because I really do want to get his analysis of this. Um, because he's got a different view of this. Uh, I mean, Dr. Piper is uh, is renowned for his wisdom on these kinds of things as we try to make sense of the uh, of the culture and the society in which we live. What happened to our culture? What happened to our faith, our nation of faith? You know, it's it's kind of funny, not not ha ha funny, but just just odd uh, how, regardless of whether it was Judaism or Christianity or in, in within Christianity, whether it was, you know, Catholic or whether it's Protestant or, you know, evangelical or whatever, um, the, the nation used to be just, you know, it was accepted. We are a nation of faithful people. We're a nation of God believers. We're a nation, nation of God worshipers in whatever capacity that is. Um, and, and now it almost seems like we're the outsiders. We're the exceptions that we've become a nation of, of disbelievers, uh, you know, a nation of untruthers, if you will, and and this kind of radical stuff is accepted. And when we come in with all of our faith and our, you know, and our, uh, you know, belief in in godliness and so on and so forth, we're the outsiders. We're the outsiders now. We used to be the mainstream, and now it almost seems like we're not. But Dr. Piper understands that. That's why I'm going to ask him for uh, uh, for a response to that. Dr. Piper, are you with us? Yeah, I'm sorry, Bob. I okay. don't know what the deal is. Um, I don't either. That's that, okay. That, it's not your fault. Uh, now you're following. See, see if we can get an answer, answer to, the, to what I just described again, kind of about, uh, you know, this deserves more analysis about how we got where we are right now. Well, you know, I was asking a rhetorical question. What responsibility does Chuck Schumer have in this mess we're in right now? It, did he not instigate this by his words? Jesse Waters suggested that he did, and by his own standards, um, where he believes Donald Trump should be in, impeached for things that he said on January 6th, how much worse is Chuck Schumer's incitement of this violence 
and shouldn't he be impeached by his own standards? Again, ideas have consequences. We are where we are because we've become a culture of death. We're celebrating abortion, the butchering of children. We're celebrating the butchering of minors via the transgender movement. We actually take a scalpel to them and we manipulate their bodies and we celebrate it. We're a culture of death, disrespect for the human body. We're elevating ourselves to be as God and we're suffering the consequences therein. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very well said. And to, to the question that you just asked, I've been talking about it all morning since you came on, too. Yeah, I mean, this is what Trump said. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. He was impeached for that, and this is what Chuck Schumer said. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. He was cheered for that threat on the safety of of two justices by names and by extension their families, Dr. Piper. So, yeah, uh, where is the responsibility here? And when will the Democrats call out uh, Senator Schumer, call for his resignation for pushing and promoting something that somebody tried to carry out two years after he made those statements and the Roe decision, which he was on the Supreme Court steps uh, at that time to protest, you know, the the turning of the court uh, into a majority, uh, you know, majority conservative body. And they were so afraid of Roe being overturned one day, two years later, where we've got the draft opinion and somebody's following through on Schumer's threat. Why aren't they calling for his resignation? Why aren't they calling for his prosecution if they can go after Trump the way that they do for for something far less? Oh, it, it, uh, absolutely. There's inconsistency. They don't care. It's it's about power. It's not about principles. They don't want to attend to the fact. And that's really where we are as a culture. Yeah, that's exactly right. Dr. Piper, we're going to take our time out here. We're going to come back and focus on your column in the Washington Times. And we're going to talk about pride and uh, the wonderful uh, dissertation that you offer here on pride as we, of course, are in the midst of Pride Month. Um, which I like to call Indoctrination Month, sometimes Recruiting Month, because this is no longer about just being proud of who you are. It is about pulling people into your lifestyle. And if they don't agree to come along, they are bigots. I want to get your thoughts on that as we continue on AM 1420 The Answer. Ten twenty-five. Now let's continue with Doctor Everett Piper. His uh, weekly column runs in the Washington Times, and the piece that ran this past Sunday uh, is about pride, and it's about God's laws. In case you missed it, this is not freedom; it's fascism, pure and simple. Doctor Piper writes, "Fascism is always fueled by our hubris. If there is any lesson of history that holds fast, it is this: the seeds of pride will invariably bear the fruit of tyranny." And Dr. Piper, you go on to quote Chesterson and C.S. Lewis and others, uh, and, and of course there's a whole host of issues about being proud. It's one thing to be proud of one's accomplishments, one proud of one's you know a place or something that they have achieved. It's another thing to be prideful. Can you talk about the difference between prideful and proud as we you know quote unquote celebrate or at least forced to acknowledge what they now call Pride Month in the month of June? Well, I would argue that appropriate pride 
is when you acknowledge the accomplishments of somebody else, like you're proud of your children, mm-hmm. or you're proud of your country, you're proud of the military, you're proud of the soldiers that have defended us. You're thankful and you're grateful to those who have sacrificed on your behalf, or you're grateful for the accomplishments of somebody else that has done something better than you. That's a good thing. That's virtuous. That's gratitude. It's actually putting yourself in humility to others because others have uh, have done have they done something for you, and you say thank you. Now that's not what we're celebrating right now during our month of pride. Um, Aquinas said pride is so called because man aims higher than he is. He who wishes to overstep what he is is pride, and. That is what we're doing right now. We're overstepping what we are. We're defining ourselves because we like the God we see in the mirror rather than the God that is revealed to us in the Bible. We overstep who we are, and we become prideful. C.S. Lewis said pride is the complete anti-God state of mind, and it leads to all other vices. Pride is the ultimate sin that leads to all others. And you know, I cited Scripture over and over again in one of my posts this week, where I talk about what the Bible says about pride. I mean, we're celebrating. We've dedicated an entire month to pride. And pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Pope Gregory defined it as such back in the 600s. For well over a, 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 for well over a millennia, Pride has been known as a vice and not a virtue, and now our country waves this rainbow flag of pride in celebration of the complete anti-God state of mind. Proverbs eighteen, excuse me, Proverbs eight thirteen says, "Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and a perverted speech God hates." James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone who is arrogant in heart and in and uh, is an abomination to the Lord, be assured that he will not go unpunished. I could go on and on and on, and we all know the famous verse, pride goeth before a fall. Why are we celebrating this? We should have a month of humiliation, a month of humility, a, a month of repentance rather than one of pride, where we're elevating ourselves to be as God. Dr. Piper, all of that well-received and agreed upon, um, but but can you speak for just a couple of minutes to this particular pride, uh, this proud of, you know, of my lifestyle choices, the proud of the fact that I think God made a mistake, uh, put my mind in the wrong body or put the wrong body around my mind and therefore I'm trans and I'm proud and because I, I see this as being so much more dangerous than even just living outside the boundaries or the laws of God as you talk about I find this you know this isn't about and I think when quote unquote pride day or pride month or whatever became it was it was it was kind of expressed in the opposite of shame you don't have to be ashamed if you are homosexual was the was the was the original reason for this you can be proud of you who you are which is one thing and we can talk about in many of the same ways you just did but now it has so much morphed beyond that it's beyond pride being proud of who you are it is get others to come along with you and celebrate you or we will cancel them we will we must destroy them um, because we need to grow the numbers we will have 
have more power politically and culturally if there are more of us. So we need to recruit them. And I think Pride Month is being used more to recruit young children into the lifestyle of the LGBTQ and whatever other alphabet uh, or number or letter in the alphabet you want to include there. I think that's the intention here. That's why I call Pride Month Recruitment Month. Am I off? No, it's it's grooming month. Pride month. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. And maybe I should conclude by quoting uh, Von Hayek. He said this: "Pride is the fatal conceit, and it's the road to serfdom. If you're forcing everyone else to agree with you, and if anyone who disagrees and doesn't affirm your personal choices the way you want to behave, if you tell everyone else they're wrong and they must agree, they must." affirm what you do on a daily basis in the privacy of your bedroom, that is not going to lead to intellectual liberty or academic freedom. It's not going to lead to greater freedom in our culture. It's going to lead to us being controlled, to us being on the road to serfdom because of the conceit of those who demand complicity and agreement. Dr. Piper, always, you always find a way to, uh, to, to make the point uh, very, very clear and, indeed, uh, with brevity. And we appreciate that very much. Dr. Piper, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Blessings. Bye-bye. 1031, time for the news. Uh, we are guest-free the rest of the way, so I want you to react to all of these stories that we are discussing right now, all of these very, very challenging issues that we are facing as a country and as a culture. That's coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. Reason in the age of unreason. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Okay, 1039. Always write radio online at alwayswrite.us. There's a lot of new content on the website right now. You should check it out. As a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and uh, uh, check that out together. Huh? Trending now on alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Lead stories. Democrat hitman attempts to make good on Schumer's threat to take out justices. Video of Schumer's threat, the one I've been playing for you, is available for you right there. Take a look at it for yourself. Also, you will find uh, the opening monologue from this morning, my reaction to uh, that astounding story and the left's ignoring of it, essentially. Uh, that, uh, that is already up and available for you there. Some of the lead stories in the top stories drop down. Uh, you will find... Five questions on thefederalist.com for the J6 Committee's theatrical production that is going to hit prime time tonight. We may talk about that a little bit on the air this morning as well. The House passed a bill last night. You'll find a Daily Caller story on it. Raising the age for semi-automatic gun ownership to 21. Not just assault rifles, by the way, but semi-automatic guns. Period. We'll talk about that. The defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, otherwise known as the Redskins, has dropped a bomb on Pelosi's January 6th hearings, and he doesn't care who tries to cancel him. He's awesome. You should check that out. There's a Gateway Pundit story. A Washington Post op-ed is asking if it's time for black people to flee the country for fear of crazy white people. That's not a misstatement. That's exactly what the Washington Post op-ed from Jonathan Capehart asks. He says he's terrified, so is his family of crazy white people. <laughs> I won't even go into it. Police and the press continue to keep mum on, uh, on black gangs and black victims 
which is kind of in response to that, but not intended to be. That was from Bill O'Reilly. We talked to him yesterday. Uh, former ABC News president who quashed the Epstein story is the one producing tonight's January 6th primetime TV show. Women strutted topless at a WNBA game to protest overturning Roe. When you see the women, you'll see why the headline of this is, ew. Ted Cruz delivers a dagger to the left over their efforts to politicize acts of violence. And yes, Chesa Bodin, the soft-on-crime son of terror group members, a little bit bitter after he was recalled as the San Francisco District Attorney. All of those stories available for you now at alwayswrite.us, online, alwayswrite.us. Read them, and then again, respond to them by hitting that... um, Sound off button and uh, say what you've got to say, and I'll put it on the radio, and we'll uh, and we'll talk about it together that way. All right, I want to go back to the phones now. I want to talk to Mike, who's calling us from Peninsula. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. How's it going, Bob? Going well, sir. What's on your mind? All right, I would like to talk a little bit about the fact that I think we put too much faith in the the midterms um, changing anything because I personally do not believe that it's going to be um, a fair election. You know, I, I just, I don't see it with the, the, you know, the fact that most people believe that there is, there was plenty of fraud in the last election and nothing's really being done about it. I mean, the simple fact that chain of command can be violated by hundreds of thousands and there's no accountability for it. How is how is an audit even going to be finished when evidence and all that stuff is being held withheld? I just I think they want to take another election, and I think by that point, after that, our filibuster will be gone. Constitution and our Second Amendment rights. I, I just I, I feel like we should not be relying upon the election at all. Well, I um I don't disagree. Um, I'm not. Super confident that everything is hunky dory and that the, the, the votes that are cast will be counted and the votes that are counted will be legally cast, uh, because of what we have seen. And, uh, and clearly, particularly when it comes to the voting machines, um, you know, they can be manipulated. We literally just saw in the Georgia primary, I talked about the story, mm-hmm. I think, on Tuesday, uh, a de- in this case, it was a Democrat. So, you know, say, say what you will about it. Um, you know, we tend to think because, you know, Biden and the Democrats essentially stole the election from Trump, that it's always that direction. But in the case we just saw in, in the Georgia primary, uh, a candidate, uh, a Democrat candidate finished third and did not qualify for the top two finisher runoff until they demanded a hand recount of what the machines counted because she noticed mm-hmm. and they noticed some of the precincts she got zero votes in, which is almost statistically impossible. So they demanded a hand recount. They did a hand recount. Come to find out she had 3,600 more votes. She went from third place to first place and now is in the runoff. And this is just because the machines counted them the way the machines counted them. And what we've seen, and I, and I know you get this, which is the reason why you're, you're bringing it up, but what we have seen them blame is human error in either the programming of the machines or the feeding of votes to be counted into machines. We saw that in New error. York. With we, the, saw, uh, the, we also saw it in, the, in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead. What about the New York one, though? Well, the New York one was the same mm-hmm. thing. That before the election, they did a, a pretest or whatever in New York on the machines, and they, they found that it, would, it screwed up you know, thousands of votes, went the wrong way. So, I mean, and they blame that on, you know, human error, I do believe. But 
I just, even if we do say, okay, you stole another election, nothing's going to change with it is, is what my fear is. And I, I don't have an answer necessarily that's rational, but um, I, I just I just think we should really take a look at, you know, how they're going to fight this. I don't believe that well, we're going to do in-person voting. To be a person, to be well, you know, you know honest, somebody somebody brought that be... up on yesterday's show. Somebody actually left me a message on Sound Off, who actually said, "Do you think that they're going to potentially use high gas prices as a reason to not make people drive down to vote, so that they, you know, because they they would call it a poll tax, you know, it, it, rioting, it, rioting. They could use rioting. They could say it's not safe. There's rioting going on everywhere. Well, I mean, yeah, in, they, especially they, especially if we get, which we are expected to get, the Roe decision or the Dobbs decision mm-hmm. that would affect Roe uh, by the end of this month. You know, that we could have a summer of rioting and that, uh, you know, getting people who are of different points of view together in one, one location could lead to more violence. I think that's a reasonable thing, what you just said. Uh, but the other guy, like I said, talked about gas prices. They talked about talk about that potentially being a poll tax. Mm-hmm. As we know, you know, six bucks, seven bucks a gallon, people can't afford to drive to the to the place to vote. So, you know what? And that disproportionately impacts so many poor ways. people, and poor people are disproportionately people of color, and people of color disproportionately vote Democrat. So in an effort to make it fair, uh, we're going to do universal mail-in balloting again. Uh, and then we go back to the drop boxes, and we go back to everything we just saw in 2,000 mules, right? What are your thoughts of how to avoid this? You know, well, do we I'm, not I'm have like, the election until we solve our issues? Yeah. Yeah, well, no, no, we certainly do not postpone the election, no way, because yeah. I don't know that there is a solution to the issues. But I'm I'm with you, Mike, and thank you for the call. i got to go. I'm with you when you say I don't have the answers, but I'm just worried about, you know, these issues. I'm, I'm with you, and I'm, I'm the same way. I don't have the answers either. I am very concerned about them. I am somewhat, somewhat placated by the fact that at least a dozen and a half, I want to say 18 states-ish, um, strengthened their voter integrity laws. And in fact, that has led to, we all saw what happened last year, you know, led baseball to canceling the All-Star game in Atlanta, and they moved it to Denver because Georgia strengthened their voter integrity laws in terms of voter ID and so forth, uh, cleaning up the rolls, booting people when they got double registration in two different places, all of these kinds of things. Now, Georgia still just had, as I mentioned in the primary, the, the Dominion voting machine problem. Um, but I think that a number of states, or a good portion of the states, have passed voter integrity laws that could eliminate an element of that fraud. Um, so, to me, I, I think it's all we can do is ask those states that have had these problems before. And also, I don't know what the rule is, obviously, state to state, but that candidate in the primary, I just told you about in Georgia, was able to demand uh, a hand recount, and they did it. Is that is that something that's reliable? Is that something that can be done in other states too? I don't trust the voting uh, machine count because of look, you know. And and again, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but going back to the twenty twenty election in Michigan, there was a county in Michigan that Trump won in twenty sixteen over Hillary Clinton by thirty points, thirty percent, right? He won by thirty points. And then against Biden, suddenly that entire county had such a, a, a political shift that Biden won by 3,000 votes. No way. 
So they challenged that, and then, of course, it's a little late, though, but after the fact, they said, oh, yeah, come to find out, Trump won by, like, 3,600 votes or whatever it was. They said it was nearly 7,000 vote swing, which is still probably inaccurate when he won it by 30 points, uh, you know, the election before. But the, the reality is that the, there is going to be fraud. There is going to be cheating. There may be an attempt to wipe out in-person voting the way they did in 2020 because of COVID, maybe for fear of riots. Who knows? Maybe monkeypox, maybe another variation or variant of COVID. Uh, you mentioned rioting. I mentioned gas prices. Somebody called up yesterday about uh, it's too expensive to get to the polls. Why are you going to make these people do that? Um, uh, you know, So let's go ahead and send them their ballots and let them send them in and make it convenient for everyone. The whole nine yards. All of these things are are definite possibilities how do we account for all of them how do we stop all of them i don't have the answer i wish i could wave a magic wand and say this is not going to be a problem anymore voter fraud but i think it will be i think it will be a problem whether or not it costs us this massive massive predicted tsunami of of conservative uh majorities that are, that is being predicted by virtually everyone including democrats whether it's enough to stop that i don't know uh, thank you, my friend, for the phone call. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always right radio. Hey, did you uh, did you get your tickets yet, by the way, real quick? You get your tickets yet for the 100th anniversary celebration? If you didn't, don't wait. They're going fast. And in about a week or so, the prices are going to go up on them. Get your tickets now for the 100th anniversary celebration uh, on Jan- June 21st. It's going to be... At Harry Buffalo in North Olmstead. Gonna be tremendous music. We're gonna have uh, all kinds of uh, great food. There's gonna be a buffet dinner. You're gonna get drink tickets with your uh, with your ticket purchase. Uh, if you buy a VIP ticket, you're gonna get to meet me and Tom Kelly and hang with us on the patio. There's gonna be whiskey tasting flights, cigar specials. I mean, it's gonna be a tremendous time as we celebrate 100 years of heritage. Uh, the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio turns 100 years old. June 21st, come and join us. Tickets are available now. WHKRadio.com. WHKRadio.com. And by the way, keep in mind, when you buy a ticket to join us at Harry Buffalo, you are buying a ticket against cancel culture. You are rising up against cancel culture. Because a woke restaurant that we were going to uh, um, schedule with in downtown Cleveland canceled us. Which, to me, is almost just like good, to be honest with you. I didn't know how woke they were at the beginning. Now I know, and I'm glad we're not going to be there. But the best part about it is is we've officially been canceled. <laughs> you know, you're not doing conservatism right until the left cancels you. So we're doing it right. Uh, join us for the anti-cancel culture uh, WHK anniversary celebration. Tickets available at whkradio.com. whkradio.com. We'll be back. Ten fifty five, always right radio online at alwaysright.us. We'll go to the phones now. Lisa, our good friend from Medina County Friends and Neighbors, is on the line. Hey Lisa Woods, how are you this morning? Hey, good morning. I am well. I'm well. Today? Little little concerned about our election and want to encourage people to really consider working the polls, even taking the day off and working the polls. I, one thing I've noticed that I haven't heard from from um, other people speaking about the election. Is all those people that voted Democrat because they vote, you know, that they were called to, right? The Democrats called to vote for Dewine, um, 
in the primary are automatically considered Republicans now, and they can work the polls as Republicans in August and in, in, in November. I read about that, Lisa, and it concerns me greatly as well. What can people do about that? What can be done about that? And why does Ohio have this ridiculous open primary where people can do exactly that? Yeah. You know, the left likes to yeah. talk about subverting democracy and overthrowing democracy and how the Republicans are trying to end democracy. What is a bigger threat to democracy than one party infiltrating the other party's primary to affect the outcome and then, as you say, take their new status since they voted in the Democrat primary as a registered Republican and then work the polls? So you have basically all Democrats monitoring the polls. Right. And, and I don't want to discredit those that actually crossed over, because I'm sure many, many have, right? Uh, I'm sure they're upset with the leadership and truly made that, that change. But this is a real concern, because also when we put people into, like, the nursing homes, when, 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 when people collect signatures, not signatures, but uh, uh, go to help elderly vote, Supposedly, you're supposed to have a Republican and a Democrat, and you can actually legally go do that. But to me, that's you know still kind of harvesting. So I think we really need to look at our laws, possibly get someone to write some legislation. There's so much, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also worried about the, uh, the independent primaries, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, but I think yeah. Well, I'm, I'm concerned about do. that too, and I'm concerned about anything that might be written, any legislation that might be written, because quite frankly, I don't trust this Democrat-controlled uh, General Assembly anyway. I don't trust them to do the right thing, and I don't trust them to do it on a, in a timely manner as well. I can see it sitting in committees. Any legislation that might correct these things sits sitting in committee and not, uh, you know, not seeing the light of day, because I just have been given no reason whatsoever to trust them. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned as well about uh, non-Republicans pretending to be Republicans and and working these polls, and then us having no oversight whatsoever to make sure that things are being done on the up and up. Right. So so I work the polls. Um, this year I was trained, and the day before the election, I got very sick and had a high fever, so I had to call off. But I will work in August. I will work work the polls in November, and I would highly. <laughs> I, I, I really hope that more people do so, and especially those on the central committees. If we really did work those, you see these the same people every year. You know them. You're able to the long, the more often you work those polls, the more, the better you would be to spot something right. that was wrong. You, right. you get to know those people, and there's great people. You know, we 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 have Democrats and Republicans that that work each of these positions at the polls you get to know them you get to like them and it's fun to work with them but well here's here's what I, here's, I, here's what i would suggest anybody who's considering being a poll worker for the first time find somebody like lisa who has been there who is a veteran who can tell you what to look for so you don't have to learn by your own experiences and your own mistakes oh my gosh i saw something but i didn't know that was bad i didn't know that wasn't allowed i didn't know that was questionable talk to the vets so that you can go in there actually with your eyes open and actually be you know if some assistance in making sure that the elections come off without a hitch. Uh, hey, Lisa, before you go, I got a text message yesterday from uh, Peter Kirsten. I was saying, hey, Bob, can you mention that I'll be speaking to McFan this Saturday? Uh, Peter wasn't telling a lie, was he? No. 
no. We, we will see Peter on Saturday, 8.30 a.m. at the Thirsty Cowboys. It'll be um, 8.30 till 10, as usual, and we're really looking forward to hear, hearing his hey, very conservative rant. Settle a bet for me. Is it is it just one cowboy or is it multiple cowboys? I don't know who's thirsty out there. Atari has put me through this. (laughs) You know, it's both. I've I've seen it on the on the web page different ways. Yeah. So and and the sign outside. So I just go back. What's the sign outside say? What's 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 the big sign outside say? (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it's (laughs) cowboys with an S. Okay, you, you, <laughs> but if you search it, you'll get it either way. Whether you, whether it's plural or not, you will uh, find the thirsty cowboy when well, you search you'll find, it. <laughs> you'll find a thirsty uh, cursing out there on Saturday. Uh, that, that oh, good. Sure. All right, hey, uh, Lisa, thanks thanks for checking in and thanks for the heads up and the advice on the poll working too. We appreciate it. Sure, All thank right, you. Uh, it's eleven oh one. We'll get news now. Come right back. Hour number three on the way. Always right radio. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Good morning. Thank you so very much for being with us on Always Right Radio. Online at alwaysright.us. On the air on AM 1420, The Answer. So we spent a great deal of time this morning already talking about the threat made against the lives or the safety of Supreme Court justices Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch by Chuck Schumer just two years ago specifically over the issue of abortion rights. Now, two years later, with the Supreme Court poised to deliver a decision on the Dobbs case that will indeed affect abortion rights and possibly overturning Roe v. Wade, one of the followers, one can only surmise, of the leftist leader leaders like Chuck Schumer tried to make it happen, tried to carry out the threat, showed up outside the home, of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, armed to the teeth, ready to murder the Supreme Court Justice to prevent the release of this Roe versus Wade decision. He stopped only because there were U.S. Marshals outside. He went down the street, called in, and reported himself on what he was planning to do. He has now been charged with attempted murder. The question is, is when is Chuck Schumer going to face the same charge as an accessory to attempted murder? You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. He specifically mentioned... Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Where's the call for his 
resignation? Where's the call for his recall? Where's the call for an end to the political career of Chuck Schumer? Because President Donald Trump said something far, 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 far less severe on January 6, 2021. He was impeached over it. He was calling for peace and and, and patriotism. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. He was impeached for peace and patriotism. Tonight on national television, they're going to try to impeach him for a third time. This one is called the January 6th Select Committee hearings over what happened and what led to uh, the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. Its intent is one and one only. Get Trump supporters to turn on him so that he can wear the uh, the albatross of January 6th around his neck and make him ineligible to run for president again in 2024 because I don't think they believe they can beat him. They didn't beat him last time, and now they feel like that people are on to their game. They'll definitely won't be able to beat him if he runs. Therefore, we've got to stop him from running. Who are they going to run against him? Joe Biden? Joe Biden for a second term? Joe Biden, who doesn't know what year it is, Joe Biden? A guy whose approval ratings in the middle of his second year in office are so pathetic and so low, including with his core demographics, including with Hispanics. He has an approval rating among Hispanics of 25%. 75% of Hispanics don't like him. He can't win elections with those kinds of numbers. What's even better, depending on your perspective, is his overall approval ratings. The latest numbers are out from Quinnipiac, June 3rd through June 6th. Today is June 9th, so this is as current as it gets. Their latest survey of uh, Quinnipiac's latest survey of 1,576 U.S. adults confirms what the rest of us know. This man cannot be president. 33% approval, record low. 55% disapproval of Joe Biden. 12% no opinion. Most 12% of people are just, I won't even talk about that. What I do want to talk about, though. I want to talk about the 33%. And I want to ask this question. Who are you? Where are you? How do I find you? I must have a conversation with you, a peaceful conversation. I want you to explain what you approve of. 33% of Americans, according to the survey, approve of Joe Biden's handling of this country. I want to know where and how many voters are in this country. There's 350 million people in the country. That includes kids, so they're not a voting age. I don't know how many voters are in the country. 100, 180, 200 million. Let's just say it's 200 million people. 
Right, because what? Biden supposedly got 81 million votes. Trump got around 77 million votes or whatever the number was. That's 150. So we'll round up and go to 200 million people. One-third? What is one-third of 200 million? What's one-third of 200 million? About 60, about, uh, uh, 60 million people, right? One-third of 100 million would be 33, so 60, around 60, 70 million people. Again, I'm just rounding this off for the sake of discussion. I would like to know how 60 million people can look at what Joe Brandon is doing to this country and tell me they approve of it. Tell me about what you approve of with respect to the economy. Tell me what you approve of with respect to crime. Tell me what you approve of with respect to this culture. Tell me what you approve of with respect to our national sovereignty. Tell me what you approve of when it comes to foreign policy. Tell me what you approve of when it comes to security. Tell me what you approve of from Joe Brandon's one year and a half in office. What is better today than it was before he came? Your answer cannot include the word Trump. Your answer cannot be, but he's nicer than Trump. Your answer cannot be, he's not Trump. Your answer cannot be, he's not orange man bad. Your answer has to be, this is what I like about what he's done. What's he done? 33% of you, where are you? I want to hear from you. Explain that to me. You, Joe Brandon, and, and your administration are bragging that the economy is in really good shape. Did you hear this exchange between Peter Ducey and Corinne Jean-Pierre? Did, you, did I mention she's gay and she's black? Got to mention that every time. She's the first black and gay press secretary ever. It matters, you see, what color she is and who she likes to sleep with. And if you don't make that acknowledgement, you bigot and you racist, well, then you're in trouble. So I will always make the acknowledgement they want us to make. She's black and she's gay. And she also has no earthly idea what she's talking about. Why do you think it is that 83% of people polled by the Wall Street Journal say the economy is poor or not so good? So when it comes to consumer confidence, is what you're talking about there, we know that uh, can reflect concern and uncertainty uh, about higher prices. People feel the effect of high prices uh, when they go to the grocery store and they feel they're up their gas, gas tank, which the president understands uh, very personally when he was uh, growing up and understanding how, uh, how when prices elevate uh, even just a bit, how much that can hurt a family, how much that can uh, really uh, affect uh, uh, you know, uh, someone's household. Uh, But the fact is we are in a fundamentally different place compared to when the president took office and compared to this time a year ago. (laughs) We're in a fundamentally different place now than we were a year ago. You're right. Our gas prices have doubled. Our grocery prices, our clothing prices, our building materials... Our, our engine parts, our hardware store, they're all at least 11% higher. Overall inflation, 11% higher. Individual inflation, 20, 30, 40% higher. What people could fill their grocery cart with for $100 when Joe Biden took office compared to what they can put, uh, what it looks like with $100 now is very, very different. You're right about that. But hello, dingbat, they're worse, not better. 
They're far, 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 far worse. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you, is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration, and other experts as well, is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start uh, really working on... Well, we're at 40-year inflationary highs and all-time record highs in, in energy prices, how is this economy better than it has historically been? And if this economy has us in a good position to take on inflation, why, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who's gay and black, she wants you to know that, not me, I'm just following orders, why haven't you tackled it? If we're in a good position to take on and tackle inflation, why is it not being taken on? Why is it not being tackled? If the economy is doing so much better, tell me how come it sucks for all Americans. Except for the wealthiest Americans who can afford to pay $6 a gallon, $7 a gallon, or follow Debbie Stabenow and Pete Buttigieg's orders and just go get an electric car. Then you don't have to worry about it. They can afford a car that averages, according to Kelly Blue Book value, $56,000. The uber wealthy can afford to do that. Middle class America cannot. Lower middle class America. The impoverished in America cannot. If If things are so much better, why are we all suffering? Why are we all feeling this pain? But to the point about, you're, you're saying that people feel good about their personal financial situation. High gas prices, people can't get baby formula, the supply chain is messed up, uh, everything is more expensive. But where's the good part? <laughs> I love, I love the, the directness of Ducey. He interviews like I interview. He And I don't mean to, that probably sounds very braggadocious. I didn't mean it to be. I just I don't like when interviewers kind of pussyfoot around a situation and dance and and kind of I, I like direct questions. Ask it and get a follow up and and ask it if they dodge it and they dance around it. Don't let them do that. Uh, I love the directness. Where's the good part, Kareen? Where's the good part? So the survey that I just read off started in 2013, and that is the first time that we saw numbers like this since 2013. So that does no, that does mean something. Just like you gave me 83 yeah, percent, I'm giving you I, newer than 2013. 61 percent are saying now in this Wall Street Journal poll they are generally pessimistic about people having an opportunity to achieve the American dream. How's that going to look on a, so on a bumper sticker? I guess sticker? What, I'm, what I'm trying to say, Peter, is that we understand that people are feeling feeling this. They're feeling uh, the increase of prices, uh, which with food in particular right now and gas. That is that is something that we understand. How many aren't you aren't you just like ready to barf every time you hear them tell you that they understand? That's the answer every single day from that podium. Whether it's Corinne Jean-Pierre, who's gay and black, did, did we mention that she's gay and black? We have to mention that. It's, it matters. It was announced. It's historic. She's gay and black. That somehow affects her answers, I guess. Right? I don't know. That's what they told us to say. Whether it's her or one of her uh, assistants or whether it's Biden himself up there, the same thing, the same answer. Oh, the president understands. Oh, I understand. Oh, my goodness, I feel it. Oh, I'm right there with you. Oh, I understand the pain of the, uh, at the pump. Man, I've got personal experience with this. No, you don't. 
No, you do not. And you never have. And I'm tired of hearing him, and I'm tired of hearing her, and I'm tired of hearing everybody in that administration saying, we really do understand the pain of a $5 gallon gas. We know how bad it is. We really understand. And we're with the American people. Right, we're right there with you. No, you're not. You're a liar. And everything that you say in defense of this president just underscores your incompetence. You have no answers for the toughest questions. The only thing you're ready for is what Peppermint Patty, otherwise known as Propaganda Patty, was ready for. And that is questions about his favorite flavor of ice cream. When it comes to real questions, you've got nothing. And what we have seen is historic numbers. Is a, We are in a historic uh, place in history, uh, historic place right now, as we, have, uh, as we look at uh, where we are with the economy. Very, very different than where we were a year ago. And that is because of what the president has been able to do. with. The- <laughs> we're in a historic place in history. And we're very different than where we were a year ago because of what the president has been able to do. But, you bumbling buffoon, it's worse than it was a year ago. With a comprehensive plan to get people vaccinated, with a plan to get people back to work. And what we have... (laughs) Where are you, 33 percenters? I want to hear from you. I mean it. I don't care if it's on the radio. I don't care if you stop me in a grocery store. If you are a 33 percenter who approves of the job that Brandon is doing, doubling gas prices, record high inflation, invasion at the border, foreign policy disasters, if you are approving of this, please stop me and tell me why. I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you a beer or a coffee, whatever your preference is, if you'll sit down and explain to me what I'm missing here. What do you approve of? I'll be right back. It is 11.28, AM 14.20, the answer. Let's get a couple of calls in here. TJ's been waiting in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah. Yeah, hello, Bob. Yeah, TJ. Yeah, you know, uh, what Joe Biden has basically done was turn America into a banana republic overnight. You know, if you look at the similarities between us and Venezuela right today, what do you see? Rigged elections, attempted political assassinations, failing economy, government-controlled media, using government agencies to go after political opponents, a dual justice system, high crime, everything Venezuela's got, Joe Biden gave to America. The only difference is, at least in Venezuela, they secure their borders. We don't even do that. And I'll tell you another thing, Bob. If the left ever did attempt to secure the borders here in America, it would be like the Berlin Wall, not to keep people out, but to keep people in. Uh, we're, we're down a slippery slope, and we're going to wake up soon one morning, both left and right, and everything's going to be gone, and we're going to look at each other and go, what's happened? How did we allow this to happen? And we're heading there, and we're heading there at warp speed, I'm afraid. You missed one thing that uh, Biden got from Venezuela. Oil. We literally have to go to Venezuela and ask them to increase their output of oil, just like Saudi Arabia and OPEC nations. We have to go to these countries and ask them to give us that which we will not drill for and produce and refine ourselves. Think about that for just a moment. Everything you said is right, TJ, but that's the, that's the bizarre thing about it is all of those terrible things that we see in what we would consider to be Less than ideal countries. President Trump would call them blank hole countries. Uh, but uh, but now we actually have to go hat in hand to ask them for energy. Think about that for a minute. But Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the call, as always. We'll come right back with more calls and sound-offs uh, messages as well. Coming up on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Good morning, Bob. So one thing that keeps occurring to me is that if we learn from history that any of these groups that take over from the Bolsheviks in Russia to Nazi Germany to any of the communism uh, that took over any of the Asian countries is that any of these groups that use violence to gain political power, it just seems that once they get that power, they continue to use violence. And uh, that's just what we're seeing here, where the left really is coming from. Again, they will use and do whatever, use whatever means they can to get what they want. Um, and they, and obviously hurting people, using violence is a tool. They see that as a tool to get their power. So I thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank you, Derek and Richfield. It is a tried and true method for the radical extremist left um, throughout American history. I mean, really, you know, at least in recent history, in the last, you know, five, six, seven decades, it is absolutely what they do. It's why, why do you think they resorted to what they did in 2020? Violence, terrifying, harassing, terrorizing people in cities all over this country who had absolutely nothing to do with what went on in Minnesota with an idiot cop, an irresponsible in, an idiot cop, and George Floyd. Nothing whatsoever. But it's a political tool. Violence is a political tool. Shooting the Republican baseball team in 2017, nearly killing Steve Scalise, and would have killed others had he not been shot by himself, a Bernie brother, Bernie bro, if you will, political tool. Going to the Supreme Court home, or rather the home of the Supreme Court justice, to kill him and maybe his family? In order to stop the road decision from coming out, they use violence as tools. It's part of the playbook. Make no mistake about it. And you want to go back into history with some of the other um, totalitarian regimes? That is exactly correct. This is what they do. They can't win the war of ideas, and so they turn it into a physical war. And the best part about it is those who do so are the ones who decry the Second Amendment. They'll use weapons when it suits them. They will decry weapons when they are used in ways that they disapprove of. But they are always ready and willing to commit violence in, in order to advance their, their agenda. You're exactly right, Derek. And if people don't, don't think that, uh, that this is just one of the many tools that they use, that this is, these are isolated incidents, that these are uh, you know, uh, situations that, uh, that are con- counted as outliers or one-offs, then you're just not paying attention to history. This violence is absolutely a tool to achieve an end. Especially, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll go one step further. N- not that this was specifically violence, but when you believe that your worldview is, is in such jeopardy, when your agenda is in such jeopardy, something you've been working toward for years and years and years, and somebody like Donald Trump comes along and puts it all in jeopardy, they would be willing to do anything to stop him. And that includes defrauding and stealing a presidential election. And, you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I think I've heard some other people who are like-minded say this too. If I truly believed 
that Donald Trump was Hitler reincarnated. And this is what they said, obviously, not me, not you, not reasonable people. But if you believe that somebody was such a fundamental threat to all that you hold dear, what wouldn't you do to get rid of them? You wouldn't cheat and hire mules to, to, to harvest and stuff ballot boxes? You wouldn't tinker and hire people to tinker and to hack into voting machines to change outcomes? You wouldn't shut down counting uh, rooms at midnight saying, ah, oh, we'll pick it up again in the morning, and then in the morning the count comes back hundreds of thousands of votes higher for Biden than they were when you went to bed? You wouldn't cheat if you were really, really convinced that this guy was a threat to everything you hold dear? They would cheat. They would commit violence. They would kill. We're seeing it play out over and over and over again. Bob is in North Ridgeville. Hi, Bob. Thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, the one thing that Biden has done for the majority of, we should say, overweight, we can't call them fatties, but he kind of, like, saved them from eating. You you, kind of lost me here, Bob. I'm not quite sure what you're saying. Well, he saved them from overeating, so they're no longer obese. They're starting to lose weight without the pedal bins and the weight machines and the gym. Oh, okay, you're being funny. You're you're saying that with the inflation and the cost of food, people can't eat so much, so we're going to be a healthier nation. That's one good thing he's done. (laughs) Okay, Bob. Now I got you. You lost me for a moment there, but I see what you're doing now. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for the levity. Uh, There you go. All right. You're looking for some benefit that Biden has offered the country. We're all going to be lighter. We're all going to be healthier, at least in terms of our weight, because we can't afford to buy as much. And I'll tell you what, there is some truth to that. I can tell you, I don't normally grocery shop for our family. My wife does, but occasionally I'll go help her out. And I'll see what the cart looks like, and I can tell you what a cart full of $150 grocery, or let me rephrase, what a $150 uh, cart looks like full of grocery groceries from, you know, six months ago and one today. I can tell you there is a major, major difference. The same amount of dollars puts a lot less in the cart. That I can guarantee you. So if, by Bob's standards and Bob's point of view, you think that's a good thing because now you're eating less, I guess so. Hungry people generally do tend to weigh less, uh, but it's not necessarily a desirable thing. So I do understand your point. I meant what I said, though, and I will continue to throw out the call. I'll throw it out on social media, even though I stopped going on Facebook now. I already quit Twitter. Now I have stopped going on Facebook. I deleted the app, but not the account, in case I think better of it. But I'm no longer there. I'm only on Trump social, and occasionally I'll put a picture on Instagram, right? I will use what socials I have. I will use this radio show, and I will continue to ask Biden supporters, if you're part of the 33% that approve of the job he's doing, tell me why, tell me where, tell me how, tell me what your experience is that makes what you are seeing in this country right now better than what it was before. I'm begging you. I'm serious. I need to understand this. My mind cannot just wrap itself around this. Thanks, everyone, for being with us today. Thanks to Dr. Piper. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Marianne. Thanks to you for listening. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.